here we go. Uh, Joker reference. Always good to get a Joker reference. If you're tanking and you're looking at a top five pick, is there a player in the top five that makes a drastic difference to Portland? Because if there's not, what's the point? Everyone frames it as if Nurkic punched him. He like, dude, he like basically threw out a little left dude. hand. Define clearly what's ability, what's talent, what's skill. I just don't think Chauncey's wrong. Like, still, no, uh, no Greg Oden. God, you, you, you apologize way too much. You must, you must offend a lot of people. That's a horrible take. Oh. <laughs> that's that's peddling conspiracies and like that's stupid. Do a quick sound test. Check, 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 check. I'm hitting the record button in three, two, one. There we go. Love it. Professional. Chris, bring in the quality. Hello, Rip City. To all of you in town and out of town in every corner of the interwebs, Thank you for tuning in. Here with you from Hood River, my name is Keith Feltner-Smith, and here with me, as always, the master of segues, the master of studio construction, and green microphones. I feel like it's a new color. I don't think it was always that way. Christopher Joseph Burkhardt. What's up, buddy? How are you? Oh, you know. We're doing well over here. Yeah, it's uh, it's green right now. Uh, I'm on the I'm on my laptop today because I told you and people who have listened uh, <laughs> to the podcast last couple weeks know I'm trying to redo and build my office into an actual studio and I actually took the dive so right now it's tore up and it's painted and I couldn't get my PC back together in time get everything mounted and plugged in so I'm on the the laptop and on the PC I have the ability to change the color of this bad boy right now it's just green defaulted to it but I rarely go green it's usually blue or yellow sometimes red so yeah I see why you're thrown off no I I mean I I feel like it was I think red is usually what you've gone with it I always assumed it was just a Blazers-themed uh, color choice there. But green works. It's a good color for you. Uh, it, it brings out uh, the brown in your eyes, I believe. Sure. Let's get started with love, hugs, and hate mail. Uh, I don't know who went first this week. Me. Uh, you always make me go first. Well, then keep going first. You're rude. <laughs> All right, fine. We'll just dive right into it, Keith. My love is going... Clay Thompson. I was so hyped for his return. That guy has battled through so much to sit there and uh, you know, blow his ACL in the NBA Finals mm. and then do all that work to get back and then blow his Achilles like right on the cusp of coming back and have to basically sit out another year. I think it was 941 days of action he missed. Yeah. Like He had the entire basketball world you know, just ripe with anticipation for that 5:30 tip against the Cavs. Like it was just so cool to see all that hard work and and how the Warriors treated him and even uh, even Draymond Green, right? Asking asking uh, Steve Kerr if he could still start the game and but then sub out immediately because he was battling a calf tightness uh, injury himself. So you know Draymond Green starts the just game and then pit- yeah 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 and then you know immediately just goes for an intentional foul to sub out but like he just wanted to be on the court for that moment like yeah, just so much respect for for clay and what he did and yeah it's, it's just it's just cool to see man loved it so all my love is going to clay man i heard a cool story about that part actually the relationship between draymond and clay uh and yeah, uh, the, I think when the injuries happened initially, Draymond was the guy that was there at the at the bedside, like when he was recovering, kind of thing. You know, you know bringing cards and games in to keep his uh, keep his mind uh, in the positive end of things. And yeah, so it's, it's it's cool to see that at the end of it, he wanted to just be there on the court, and then like, all right, I'm out here. Uh, all love, like you said, to Clay. All hugs for what he's gone through, and and yeah, love for uh, the return. It's it's good to see him come back. My love, a little simpler, We're going off court. Going right here in my kitchen. The smell of fresh bread, man. I know I've been focused on the snow the last number of weeks, and I, I, I know this is another kind of uh, an easy go-to for myself, but it, it just finished in the oven right now. I have two loaves drying, uh, yeah, I guess drying, uh, airing out on the rack of sweet, sweet honey rye sourdough. And, you know, Chris, if, if you came with me to a game now and then, uh, you'd be able to get one of these lows, maybe. But uh, as, it, as it stands here, I, I apparently need to give you more notices. Well, usually we're good to go, but 
I had procrastinated on all my work for the week, so I had it backloaded on Sunday, and I had to do all of it in one day. And I was like, I can go with Keith and then stay up till 5 a.m. to get this done, or I can be responsible. And uh, in a rare, rare decision, I chose responsibility. <laughs> Uh, well, good for you, sir. And, and again, I can't wait to see the studio. I, I am I am honestly excited with the the work you're doing. I know you have other other things as well, but I'm I can't wait to see it get going. And uh, I know I'm going to lose the race between us to get the studio finished, but I you know I'm I'm, I'm going to get rolling on it. As you can see here, I'm I have this uh this beautiful backdrop. Obviously, the, the I mean the the trail cache is forest over here among the trees. So this is not my living room. This is with this kind of green. Screen. I know. I see. I, I see. You're I trying to do. You're trying to be a chameleon over here, trying to play tricks on me, so I don't know yeah, what room yeah. you're in. I see. Yeah. Smart play. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking professional over here. Uh, okay, how about your hugs? Who, who needs a hug this week? Hey, my hugs are going to Kyrie Irving, because, I mean, the, fa <laughs> the, the fact that Kyrie survived what was probably the most heinous basketball play of all time, and I'm sure we'll talk about this later, the, the, in, the inexplicable dive for a loose ball by Nasir Little that put the, the 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 health and safety of Kyrie Irving at risk. Like I said, just inexplicable. No room in our game for that trash. So my hugs go into Kyrie for having to deal with that. And of course, fans, that's all sarcasm because we're going to talk about that later. Yeah, we'll get more into that later. Uh, but please go read Casey Holdall's article, uh, his write-up. Uh, I think the tweet that he put out with it was, apparently you, someone can knock the hustle. Uh, so... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that was that was a good one. I like it. My hugs this week is back to you, Chris. It's it's your studio. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you wanted to have the studio ready. I was, I uh, you know, and, and you are. You're recording here. This is you're, you have more of a studio than I do at this point. Uh, despite my green screen, you know, I'm I'm just as professional as you are, honestly, on this end. But you know, uh, hugs to your studio. Your desk is in pieces. Your computer uh, in a thousand pieces, uh, according to you earlier, and. Uh, yeah, it, it'll, it'll come along. I, I, I feel, you know, not everyone can have a cool studio with a green screen like this over here. But, uh, you know, y you'll get there. I have a green about, screen, bro, so you just chill. <laughs> How about your hate mail? My hate mail, I'm taking a, I'm taking a curve here. We're going to go to the no fun zone. But my, my hate mail is going to mortality. Because 2022 just started and the Grim Reaper had to go and take everyone's everyone's dad growing up, America's dad, Danny Tanner, Bob Saget. Yeah, just ah, stupid. You end 2021 by, by losing Betty White, an absolute legend. And you start 2022 by losing another absolute legend. Mortality sucks. So I'm sending all my hate mail to... Mortality at yahoo.com whoever has that email boy they're they're in for uh, <laughs> right right but no seriously that sucks sucks yeah rest in peace to betty white bob saget and obviously everyone else uh that we've lost and mattered us Had a number of spaces this week with uh, our pregame as well as some post games. I also jumped onto a Brooklyn Nets spaces before our pregame spaces against the the Nets last night. Uh, but connection issues, or maybe issues with spaces itself. There, uh, there, there were there were just some drops. There was a lot of uh, fun fun juggling. So that, that was boy, that that really doesn't feel like a lot of hate after uh, <laughs> you. Brought hey, I'm telling you, if Twitter if Twitter Spaces wants to really excel. They need to get off of app only because you can listen when you're on your on your your computer, but you can't host or be a speaker or anything. We've yeah. tried that and I've looked into that. And if you want to if you want a uh, platform like that to really work, then I think you need to set it up so that the people who are hosting it and want to speak have a hard line connection, something you can't get with your phone because, hello, you can't rely on on. Wi-Fi signals and cell signals all the time. So that's my my you know my two cents to all the Twitter people listening. Let Twitter Spaces be ran off of apps on computers, not just phones. Boom. Yeah, I I, I can say for sure with going off my phone. Like I'm trying to 
run the spaces and load up tweets as we're talking about different topics, kind of bring up something that's kind of relevant so people have a little header to look at and only be able to do that on your phone. It'd be so much easier from the desktop, having a couple, you know, different windows, different clicks and, and you know, just kind of things ready to go, drafts ready to go on the side. Hey, no, this is uh, another interesting little take I want to I want to dive into for a moment uh, because I saw it making the rounds on social today. There was a, a, a credentialed member of the media at the uh, national title game, Georgia versus Alabama, who took a picture of themselves doing a confetti angel all hyped because Georgia had won and people, you know, decided to roast this woman and it was interesting what people's takes on what journalists are supposed to do i get it uh but at the same time she's also a georgia grad so it's like it's you're gonna be hyped for your alma mater now what i don't like about this is you get the people who get upset that a journalist does that and then you get all the 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 journalists the old school journalists who are like you know, you're supposed to be unbiased. You're not supposed to root. You're not supposed to do this. And I get that. That's your job. Like, that's my job. I'm, I go in and I'm, I think I'm good at getting rid of any rooting interest when I talk. Because if I was coming from the absolute only fan perspective, I would never float the idea to you that Damian Lillard should be traded. Right? <laughs> but I come from, I, I try to break it down logically, thinking of it like as, as if I were a GM or I'm a, in the front office or as an unbiased journalist. But the right. thing that, that gets me when like when journalists get all up in arms, like you're not supposed to celebrate, you're not supposed to cheer, you're supposed to be unbiased. Like I know so many journalists get so into that that they forget what it's like to be a fan. And for me, the only reason I wanted to be a sports journalist is because I was a fan and I loved sports. And while I've been able to put sorry, as I hit my mic. While I've been able to put like my 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 rooting interest to the Blazers aside, like that's why I wanted to be here in the first place was because I loved sports and covering basketball hasn't made like I think there's some some people get like lose their interest in it at all like they they they, they don't enjoy the game anymore because it's just like I I got I gotta go I'm a journalist I gotta go do my job I'm like for me covering the NBA made me love the game of basketball at a level that I'd never loved it before. So I just think it's so crazy. And and to me, like, and there are different levels to it. Like, if you're the insider, yeah, like, you're, you shouldn't be rooting at all. If you are, like, Casey Holdall, who works for the team, like, it's <laughs> not necessarily bad if you, ha- if you root. Right. Like, you're... You have a relationship there that that other journalists don't have because you are literally part of the Trailblazers, right? Yeah, um, yeah. You know, and this person, I don't know if, if she was in it, like she was working for ESPN, but maybe she's, you know, if you're just like Neil Everett, the, a guy who's ho- hosted Sports Center, like he's not an insider, he's not a reporter, like he's not the guy who has to get into people's ears to break news, like he's just reading reading it, right? So, uh, long story short. There we go. Long That's my, one, my, my, my at least one per <laughs> show is I don't believe truly that journalism has to be one or the other. I don't believe that you have to be a fan or you have to be an unbiased journalist. I think there's room for both in this world. Like I said, I've got I've gone to duck games. Right. And I see I, I don't cheer. I don't cheer when I'm at a duck game. I, I, I wouldn't if they, I was covering a duck national championship game. I would have I would have been hyped. I would have been so excited to see my, my, my alma mater win. And there's so many people who, who have become so ingrained that they're journalists are supposed to be unbiased. This and that, that like, they let that, in, that inside part of them just die and would never get right, hyped for right. anything because they're not supposed to. And clap, like, dude, here at the end of the day, Keith, I'm sorry, I'm making this go long, but at the end of the day, journalist journalism is a job, Right. A fan, I'm a fan all the time, but if I'm going to go to a game and my, uh, I, I, I'm the biggest Blazer fan you've ever seen, but my boss says from nine to five, I need you at Moda Center. I need you covering this game. That is now my job. I'm not there to root. I'm not there to participate as a fan and I'm not going to. I'm going to put my, my work glasses on, nose down, and I'm going to go to work. Right. But I'm not going to kill off that inner fan, man. I, I just I just can't do it. So that's my rant. That is my rant for the day. Journalists. So many of you wanted to be a sports journalist because you love sports. Don't exactly. forget that that's why you did it. And don't forget what it was like to be a fan. 
because I guarantee you, if you remember what it's like to be a fan, you will connect with the fan base better than you ever could. And right. It's, yeah, no, hey, look, we went to Papa Chris uh, <laughs> early in the episode this week. That's all right. That's what we're here for is those Papa Chris rants. Uh, and yeah, man, it's, it is weird when you hear someone completely deny their, their kind of fanhood because of their professionalism. It, it's hard to imagine many people get into that position, that kind of job, if you're not a fan at some level. And you know, when you look at the modern era with people like me and stuff like all the podcasts that have been coming out, these are fans trying to maybe kind of get on the fringes of professionalism. So it, the idea that you have to completely cut that off, that side of you off to, you know, bridge that gap. It's, it's not how it should be. If, if it's, if, if some people feel like it is, and obviously like you say, it doesn't have to be that way. Thank you, Papa Chris. It's a great rant. I'm going to leave as much in there as possible on that. I think, uh, you know, the, the A block, the first 20 minutes, that works. Not even the first 20. We talked on Love, Hugs, and Hate Mail for a bit, so we're good. Uh, but let's get straight into recent basketball because, you know, we've had fun the last couple weeks going into tangents and kind of, you know, more uh, theoretical and, and perceptive kind of side of, of what's going on with the Blazers, not worrying about the games themselves. But we have some wins to talk about, bro. We got... Two in a row, 103-88 over the Kings on Sunday, and then 114-108 over the Nets last night. These games have been awesome, a lot of fun seeing uh, some winning basketball by the Blazers, some team basketball, ball movement, defense going on both sides, despite missing our star players. Dame and CJ have both been out uh, these last couple games. We talked last episode about how Dame was, at the time, going to miss the upcoming three games. And it has since been announced that he's going to miss, uh, I think, the, the next six-game road trip they're going on. He's staying home for that and getting his abs uh, either looked at or kind of, you know, discussed. But, yeah, the team without Dame, without CJ, and now without Norm, who entered health and safety protocols, without all these star guards they've spent so much of their money in and have kind of focused the offense around, has really looked good at least the last couple of days. Especially last night, man. They looked like they were having fun. Yes. They, they, like, so, may, yeah. maybe... Maybe Chauncey said something to him, uh, and you know that was the the flip of the switch that they needed. But they just they just looked like they were having fun. I think it was exemplified in the post game interview with uh, with Brooke when Roko twice said, you know, great win, like or great, <laughs> great win, excuse win. me, <laughs> you know, like and uh, which was funny because because the broadcast uh, bleeped the first one but not the and second, the second one, <laughs> <laughs> but. Uh, but and, and, but I believe CJ McCollum did did something similar a yes, few years did. ago, did he not? Yes, like he did. you know, and 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 for Rocco to do that, like Rocco's usually pretty quiet and just goes out there and does his stuff. Like like Nurk looks like he's just kind of engaged and having fun with it. Ant is playing absolutely outside of his mind. Nasir is taking advantage of what's going on. Like it, to me, it just looks like a lot of guys who are having fun again and yeah, and. Dude. You know, over the losing part of it and just going out there and having fun playing basketball. And that's going to lead to wins. So that's what I like about it. And if you're going to tank, if this is how you're going to tank, do it. Because at least you're going to have fun out there playing games, if, even if you lose them. And we'll get more to the tanking details in a minute, too. But, yeah, as far as these just, just brought on these games, you make such a good point with just we've heard all the all the news that there's been something up with the team there's something not quite fitting right there's some sort of weird thing going on in the locker room uh that's been causing you know they're, they're they're not a perfectly put together roster but they've lost a number of games already this season that you wouldn't have expected them to lose at least not so handily as they were you thought they'd be a little more competitive than they have been uh and yeah seeing them get back on top and I, great example with Rogo too though for such a quiet composed guy to, to drop a couple of f-bombs in a live interview and he's not some rookie he's done this plenty before he he should know better if you want to put it that way but i don't care that much i'm fine <laughs> with him dropping it i like seeing the emotion you like you like hearing that kind of release you could tell that it mattered to him like you're saying and yeah would you would you call this the win of the year uh probably i mean it was needed um and against a very good team i mean they were without harden but still uh no, I, I I would probably say that all things considered, and all the bumps in the road they've had to deal with with bringing in ten 
10-day contract guys and no Dame, no CJ. And yeah, man, it, it's a great win. And I love it. I know there's some people out there who get upset when a player goes out there and drops an F-bomb and, you know, the, the broadcasters hate it because they have to deal with the, <laughs> you know, the FCC, FCC and yeah. stuff. But 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 I love it because, like you said, it's it's just in that moment, it was a genuine reaction. Like Rocco wasn't thinking about, you know, minding his P's and Q's, right? He was just, yeah, I'm just man i'm i'm just feeling it right now like i said that's that's a pure emotion that you love to see and like i said that's a team that's just having fun they're just having fun going out there and balling man so yeah win of the year uh it changes because the next win might be the win of the year but at this point it's it's this one and that one over that one over chicago right yeah yeah i and and i'm with you on if it's this versus the win over chicago i feel like you know, winning over the Nets, uh, it, it just at least for myself, just the rivalry with kind of the, you know some of the personal players and and all the rest of that stuff, uh, all the all the storylines. I loved this win, man, and I get that the Nets were coming off uh, a big road trip. This was the end, very end of a big road trip they had. Uh, they lost five of the last seven, so it's not like they were uh, really rolling, but they are still a top team. You're talking about Kevin Durant. You're talking about Kyrie Irving. And it's not just scrubs underneath him either. Claxton is awesome. He was getting foul trouble early on. Uh, yeah, it was it was good. But if we're going to talk about players, we should talk about the Blazers. All five starters in double figures. That's great team ball. I love seeing that. There was ball movement. Number of plays where we had three, four-plus passes moving the ball around. People getting looks right at the rim. And in particular, we had Penny Simons. 26 points, 11 assists. Six rebounds. That's last night against Brooklyn. Uh, the game before against Sacramento, also a win. 31 points, six assists, three rebounds in that one. Shooting, He's shooting something like 50% uh, from the field. 54%, I think, from the field. 51% from deep. Dude is just crushing it the last couple of games. I, those stats might not even be updated for the Brooklyn game, so a little bit of give or take there. But, yeah, we talked last week, Chris, about... Um, Penny versus uh, Nas has have these games with uh, Penny running the offense. And, yeah, I'm going to keep throwing that one in there as often as possible. Get the Penny instead of Ant <laughs> campaign running. Uh, but <laughs> have these games kind of switch opinions around. I don't even want to go to that this week. I don't even want to go to the Penny versus Nas thing. Uh, we've talked plenty about trades. We'll get to that more in the future, I'm sure, as well. But this has just been awesome to see. Really awesome to see him going out. Uh, just, just, just really developing his game. Balling, absolutely balling. He's he's skyrocketing that trade value. That's that's for sure. Um, <laughs> which fans are going to be upset when, when he gets traded. But again, if you want to, uh, if you want to upgrade at your wing, it might have to be the piece to do it. But but you love to see it, man. He's taking full advantage of the two best guards on the roster being out. Actually, the three best guards with Norm out now, and yeah, he's absolutely balling. Um, there's still things you'd like to like to fix. I'd like him to be a better defender, a little bit better in the passing game. But when it comes to getting buckets, he's a certified bucket, absolutely. And what I loved about last last game is that guy was unflappable. I mean, he was getting guarded by Kevin Durant and taking it to KD and had some real nice buckets in doing it. So, and that's no easy feat. Scoring against KD is not easy. And Ant looked great. He also had that circus shot as the shot clock oh, wound down. Amazing. and yeah. Uh, yeah, showing off the handle, showing off the athleticism. It's It's been quite the experience the last few nights. And, yeah, love to see what he's doing, man. Yeah, love seeing him him going off, man. And I was actually kind of curious with this last game. You mentioned the, the play where he had just the amazing handles going. Against former Blazers legend Patty Mills, uh, shaking back and forth gets to the rim i think against three defenders right at the rim too takes contact and flipping it up circus shot over his head he had another one later in the game too i don't remember who the second one was against but another one where he just just shook the guy and attacks the rim you're seeing that and we already know his three-point shots reliable especially as uh an off the ball shooter um you know it's it's a different skill set but I'm, I'm, I'm a little curious about a comp for this. Someone actually asked me in Not Our Spaces last night, shout out to Brandon McIntyre and Alex from Unbiased and Bam, uh, the other uh, Twitter Spaces user from down in Miami, joined us last night for Our Spaces. 
But the Brooklyn Nets space before that, hey! we had someone asking about a comparison to Jamal Murray. Uh, would you how how would you say as far as a comp to Jamal Murray and Anthony Simons? I think it's kind of a good one. I hadn't thought of it too much before. Jamal Murray's a little more developed, but I kind of feel like Ant's ceiling is higher. Also, the problem being that Jamal Murray's been out for a while with an injury, so I feel like it's hard to kind of not have recency bias with what we've seen from Ant. Uh, but how do you feel about that? Uh, no. I think Jamal Murray is a far more well-rounded point guard than than Ant. And I think they both play just a little bit different. Um, like, Jamal is ex- is explosive, um, but not... Ant is a different type of explosive. Yeah, man. it's no, really I'm hard to that. find. Um, he's not, he's not the muscly out. kind of... He's not... I feel Jamal Murray is, is more of a brute force explosive kind of thing, if that makes sense, right? Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I would... I would. Yeah, you get what I'm saying. That's yeah. the point. Um, uh, as where I think... As where I think Ant is more of a shooting guard in a point guard body um play you know he, he plays like a shooting guard and is a certified bucket getter like i think jamal murray is more of that guy like I, he's a bucket getter but he's a lot more of a of a quarterback like a game mm, controller yeah, yeah, right? yeah. controls the tempo can control that offense is a good release valve for for nikola jokic uh, he benefits from having the best passing center in the game but they don't need Jokic to be that guy all the time when Murray's on the floor. I also think Jamal Murray is widely slept on as as a point guard. He's much better than a lot of people want to give him credit for. That's I fair. think a more I almost think a more realistic comp is like in the current NBA where and this is where I think Ant can really find his niche whether that be in Portland or not, even though I think he's going to be a starter on a team not in Portland one day. But I think a more realistic comp is a Lou Williams. Um, oh, I like long, that. Long, yeah. lengthy, real good ball handling skills, and is the guy that you put in there that said, hey, we need you to go get points, go get us points. Um, a Lou Williams are almost like a like a uh, a more athletic, modern version of Jamal Crawford, right? Who... A, a, a long, lengthy guard whose job was to go out there and just get points. So I, I, that's who I would throw the comp to a little bit more. I think I think Murray is, like I said, just a much more well-rounded player. Um, no, I got you. That, ma- but, that makes sense. That yeah, makes, that and, makes and widely sense. slept on. But I think Lou Williams, honestly, is probably a really good comp. Yeah, I, I Lou Williams and Jay Cross as well. That makes a lot of sense. I, I think I see that a lot from his shooting and kind of – like you said, it's it's that style of explosiveness where it's not as much of a brute force thing. It's more of just kind of the that quick step. Uh, but we see those handles in the game last night against the Nets. What if we take it a step farther? Do you think he has any chance if, if we really went to the ceiling of of, of Penny Simons here? Is there a, a Kyrie Irving comparison? Um, handles, ability to shoot inside and, and out. Passes the ball, but not primarily a, a... He's not a pass-first point guard. Even kind of more of a combo guard. So said about Kyrie a lot. Uh, no, I'm not. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say no. Because I do think, again, I think he goes more into the, like those other two I mentioned who are score-first guards um, and necessarily don't bring a ton else to the table. Like, you're not putting Lou Williams or, or Jamal Crawford in for defensive stops. Um, Kyrie is probably a, like... He's not great, but he's probably a little better defensively than a lot of people give him credit for. Like, I, I wouldn't put him in, like, a, a top-tier def- defensive point guard. But as you and I talked about before the show, uh, it's easy to hate on Kyrie because of, yes, you is. know, his stance on COVID and stuff. Uh, but I, I, I saw Twitter kind of scratching their head at at Coach Billups and, and Coach Nash talking about him post-game where Coach Billups said something along the lines of him being the best point guard he's been around skill-wise in his career and people are like, what does that say about Dame? Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I don't think that's a slide on Dame. Like yeah. Dame is, they're, they're two completely different players. They play such a drastically different game. But if you look at Kyrie's skill set, like is he a better mid range player than Dame? Yes. Is he a better passer than Dame? Yes. Is he a better ball handler than Dame? Yes. And again, those aren't slights on Dame because Kyrie is probably the best ball handling guard in the entire NBA. And he's probably the best attacking guard in the entire NBA. 
This guy gets to the rim effortlessly, and when he gets there, he has so much control of what's going on, it often ends in a bucket. Like, so to say that the guy who is best in the NBA at a couple things is the best point guard you've seen skill-wise do these things, that's not a, sl- a no. knock on Dame. Like, no, it's not at all. If, if I, like, so I wouldn't take it that way. Kyrie is is very, very talented. The difference is people love Dame because Dame is a loyalist and has worn that Blazer jersey his entire career and has taken Portland to heights that they might not have gone to without him. Um, same with like why people like Steph Curry in Golden State. As where Kyrie, LeBron goes to Miami and they basically just hand the keys to Kyrie and he still <laughs> complains about it in Cleveland. And, you know, then he gets his way and goes to Boston. And Boston does so much to try to, you know, build around his skill set. And he still complains about it. And then he goes to Brooklyn and becomes this, I'm going to play it, but I'm not going to play. I'm a half teammate type. And it wouldn't surprise (laughs) me if eventually he doesn't like what's going on and tries to work his way out of of Brooklyn. So there's reason to to hate him. I can't wait for that. I can't wait for that. It's going to happen. There's reasons to hate him. There's reasons for him to play the villain. Uh, but his skill set's not one of them. If you think Kyrie is not a skilled point guard, I'm no. sorry. You're, you're you're sleeping on it. Uh, you're not paying attention or you're letting your just own uh, preconceived feelings about Kawhi judge what you see on the basketball court. The dude is phenomenal. I, I, I'm entirely with you. I think that uh, Kyrie is extremely skilled. He I, I, I totally agree with Billups that he's probably the most skilled point guard that we've seen. But I don't think it's a slight on Dame as much as I think I give credit to Dame for maybe other, you know, intangibles and other kind of aspects that were that are harder to maybe calculate beyond just the leadership thing. Because I don't think it's just Blazers fans that see Dame as better. When you see this debate come up, it always seems to pop up when when Dame's at a low point or Dame's injured. No one's talking about this when Kyrie, uh, the Kyrie Dame comparison. No one is talking about this when when Kyrie is uh, is doing his crazy stuff. But it does come up a lot again, and I don't think it's just Blazer fans defending Dame or kind of coming to that side. So I just think there's other things beyond leadership. There's there's other aspects of what he's doing out there as far as you know. If it, maybe it is just kind of you know it's 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 the intangibles, the weird ways to go about it. But yeah, skill wise. Kyrie, Kyrie's a boss. I, I think if anything, this is just it says more about how much those intangibles matter that we can put someone who's so clearly skill-wise better, arguably behind Dame. Like I said, and those are only in certain certain skills. It also depends. It just it depends like what you're looking for in a team. If, yeah, if you're yeah. looking for a guard, a guard who's who's like I said, probably the best ball handles in the league, one of the better passing point guards, and I don't think it's. A debate personally with how good he is at um attacking the rim i think he's the best point guard at doing that like that he's probably better for your team but for what portland runs how they run their offense and what they need need from their point guard dame is the far better fit right a team for a team like portland and you talk about skills that you can look that you can look at like you can look again i'm just going to go back to it because it's an easy one but you can look at ball handling skills and tell how good Kyrie is compared to other players and his attacking skills compared to other players but there's another skill there that that you don't see that often um but dame is far better than Kawhi, and that is game takeover and Kyrie? because dame is in a ca- than than Kyrie. what i say Kawhi, Kawhi, i'm sorry yeah, that's sorry, sorry. sorry no easy yeah, easy i'm sorry <laughs> Yeah, and that's a, that's just game takeover because there's very few players yeah, okay. in the league that I've watched single-handedly take a game over and could not be stopped and will a team to victory. And that's I, I've seen Steph do it. I've seen uh, Dame do it. I've seen Kobe do it. And I've seen LeBron do it. And are there others? Yes, yeah, but I'm talking just the ones that I've seen do it in person. Um, and I haven't seen that from from Kyrie and when you watch Ky- Kyrie's full career like I don't see him take games over a ton anyway. Yeah. Dame does in a yeah. and that's a that's a that's a skill that's a skill that I think should be quantified too and right. yeah, he's I think he's in a very special category with that. So uh again, just want to be clear. My love for Kyrie's skill set is not a slight on Dame. No. And I would take I would take Dame over Kyrie myself. Right. I yeah. just don't want to diminish how good that guy is as a basketball player we're gonna have to do more of this uh defining kind of uh the the terminology and kind of the the difference between 
skilled uh, versus talent versus, you know, like, you can't just always go with, like, who's the better point guard. Because, like you said, it comes down a lot to fit, what a team needs. Uh, there's also questions that get thrown around a lot where it's not just asking who's better, but saying if you had to start a team right now, which one do you choose? You know, and, and so there's, there's other kind of uh, variables that come into play. Steph. One thing that I know we can give Dame credit for, as far as if we are still comparing him and Kyrie, is the the Twitter clapbacks. Dame has always been a boss on social media, and the way that he kind of kind of calls people out when when someone tries to troll him or anything. And apparently, Nasir Little has been taking lessons because Nasir clapped back <laughs> after this game, uh, circling back around to the game last night against Brooklyn, and you know keeping this with Kyrie since we've uh, been talking about him. There was a loose ball. Uh, I think it was tapped away when uh, Kyrie had, had the ball tapped away. Nasir is chasing behind Kyrie towards the baseline. Kyrie couldn't touch the ball or it would be a backcourt violation. Nas dives to the left of Kyrie's legs. He's not going through the middle as some people maybe, you know, try to, to argue for it. But he definitely got underneath Kyrie, takes out the legs, and Kyrie had words after. He was saying some things on Twitter about how it was an unnecessary play. I respect the, you know, the, the, the drive or whatever, uh, paraphrasing again. But... Uh, that he shouldn't be doing those kind of things. And what I love, first of all, is the number of people that have gone with the jokes, all the jokes about, oh, so now Kyrie is worried about how someone else's actions affect his health. Boom! hey <laughs> Zing! Hey but uh, Nas, Nas came back as well, man. Nas had words after, you know, he had hurt enough at one point. And he, uh, he subtweeted someone uh, who had shown the highlight of the play itself, and I think a lot of the responses there have been arguing back and forth with uh, Kyrie because he was a Brooklyn Nets broadcast that was shared. Nas says, I would never hurt someone on purpose. I have the utmost respect for Kyrie. But y'all are delusional if you think this is a bad play and I'd do it again. I don't give a f*** what y'all talking about. And I, I love it, man. I just love the honesty. I love that he's saying, hey, I respect him, but this is basketball. This is him hustling for the ball. There, There's an argument, too, that you don't necessarily need to Nas didn't need to go for this. Like we said, Kyrie couldn't touch the ball. If you let it go out of bounds, it's Blazers' ball. What ended up happening is Nas tapped the ball but couldn't control it, turned it over uh, for Brooklyn, and then I believe that actually might have been a, a bucket that resulted in that too. Didn't matter in the end, Blazers win. But you can't fault the dude for the hustle. You cannot knock the hustle uh, unless, as Casey Holdall pointed out, like we said earlier in the show, you're Kyrie Irving. Like I said, it was an absolutely dirty play, and there's there's no room in the <laughs> league for that. I think it's absolutely ridiculous that in crunch time of a of a close game, a player would dive for a loose ball to try to get possession <laughs> to give his team a chance to extend their lead and win the game. It's absolutely ridiculous. It's asinine that anyone thinks that that is a good idea that a player would try to hustle to win the game. <laughs> How so dare he? It's just, it's an absolute joke that Nasir Little would do such a thing and defile the game of basketball by hustling. So stupid. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I just, it, it upsets me. So, it's just so unfortunate. So unfortunate, and I, I turned the game off at that point because I just didn't want to see <laughs> any more players hustling. It's just hustling. I was how offended. So up, I was just so upset. So Hashtag upset how dare they hustle? Papa Chris has been replaced by sarcastic that. Chris. I like this. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, I mean to uh, to some extent, like I can get what Kyrie was trying to get at like that that particular dive at you know he is going down low by the ankles at that point um you know i i can understand where in Kyrie's spot you would think that that that's a dangerous play and probably be upset with it but in the context of that game i don't see that like if the blazers are down 20 and nasir little's diving for that ball with a minute and a half left in the game that's a dumb play the Blazers are up 20, and he's diving for that ball. Uh, that's a dumb yeah, play. Yeah, it's an unnecessary but risk it, at that point. But in that position, I mean, you, you're you just trying to do what you can to solidify the win and get your team possession. You also don't know, and that I mean, maybe he did, but like, I doubt it with the way he dove. He and Nurk had, had Kyrie doubled, and then 
Nurk left the double to get back into the paint, get back to his guy. Nas is still pressing hard, and the ball happens to go off Kyrie's foot as Nasir tries to get in and, and get a steal. Right. So, in, in, in Nasir's defense, perhaps he didn't see it go off of Kyrie's foot as he's trying to get the steal. He's thinking that ball's off him, so he's trying to go out there and retain so he's possession. To get it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, or, Makes again, sense. he saw that the ball went off Kyrie's foot. Kyrie's trying to keep him out of the way because, he, as you alluded to, doesn't want to get that backcourt violation. And Nasir's like, oh, hell no, I'm going to come in and get and Yeah, and get you can't the ball. stop me. I can't. So, <laughs> so I just, I mean, dude, it's just it's just a weird thing to be upset about. Like the, like the Because I think Coach Billups probably would have been pissed if Nasir didn't dive for the ball and try to right. go all out, like that's what you want. You want your players to be going all this out. This is what to you're trained to plays. do. Yeah. Like, but it's also funny how, like, as a basketball player, Kyrie, oh, that's a, it's just such a dangerous play. There's no room for that, blah, blah, blah. There's no room but, for that. He said that. Yeah. Did, did he really? I don't I, know. Well, so, did he not? I thought he said something like that. He, there was definitely a quote in there. Uh, now I got to go find it. <laughs> go ahead well, sorry. either way i'm just saying because i've said it but but like so it's only a dangerous play because it took Kyrie's ankles out but it's not a dangerous play when the ball is going into the stands and a guy like shaquille o'neal or dennis rodman who are just gargantuan men dive head first three rows deep and take out six people then it's a highlight play right it's a highlight play, and oh my gosh, look at the hustle. So it's okay when a player dives into the stands to get a ball and right, takes out a bunch right, of right. Uh, fans, but it's just uncalled for because he took out a, a point guard in the process. Like, stupid. It's a hustle play, and it's a, I think it's a great play, and I think it's a smart play by Nasir Little. If you're a Nets fan, you're probably upset by it, and again, Fans, you and I have talked about it. I get the fan perspective because unlike some people, I didn't kill my inner fan when I became a journalist. So I get, <laughs> I get uh, why a fan would be upset by it. But just watching the game, it's a, it's a smart play. He's trying to retain possession or get possession yeah. and give his team a chance to win in a close game. Yeah. So here's the quote, by the way, from Kyrie Irving that Nas responded to or that kind of started all this. Uh, Per Sean Hyken, hat tip to him, hey. Kyrie Irving on the play where he hurt his ankle. It was a bad play. It was unnecessary for him to dive that far away from the ball. There's no place in our game for it. I get the intent from Nasir. It's nothing against him, but it was unnecessary. So yeah, that's that's pretty that's pretty much calling him out, and that, that seems it's too it's too. I don't like saying it this way, but it's too soft. Like it's it's I I get it. We're you know we're not talking about. Adela Vadova dive underneath uh, or anything like that or you know I've seen other people throwing a clip out there of LeBron and it's like the way it, it's it's a different scenario it, yeah I don't know we're getting into the weeds on this we can come back to this another point um, but we talked a minute ago about defining terms one thing and again we will get into this probably on a future episode since we're already running a little long but one term that is important to define is tank before you go into tank yeah. real quick yeah, Pete, um i was totally ignoring you for the last 15 seconds and i'm re-watching that play um <laughs> i just want to i just want to point out that uh if you watch the play breakdown Kyrie, again he also makes a smart play on the ball he's trying to kind of box nasir little out because he knows that right like he's trying to stay like away. you said he does he doesn't want to get he doesn't want to get that backcourt, so he's just trying to basically just let it go for a minute, and uh, he slows up. So he slows oh, down yeah. after Nasir has after Nasir has already started his dive motion. Right, right. And Nasir one hundred percent dives to the outside of Kyrie. Yeah. Kyrie slows down and then steps over Nasir. And Nasir's momentum of sliding ends up going right Very where right. Kyrie steps, which is yeah. which is where the uh, the ankle kind of gets turned or, or hurt. But the play itself, Nasir Little, if you watch the play and actually watch how it break, broke broke down, he tries to avoid the contact with Kyrie. Yeah. And had Kyrie had Kyrie not slowed up and continued just going straight, and had he not tried to step over Nasir, which 
I'm not saying he couldn't have because I think what happens here is he lifts that foot, then he sees Nasir, and the only thing he does in the moment is just continues his momentum. So I don't think he right. could have got out of the way, like could have actively tried to. So I'm not saying it's his fault. Um, but I'm just saying like Nasir tries to go to his outside and avoid contact. Now had Nasir gone right at the ankle and upended him to, upended him to get the ball, a completely different story. Yeah, but Nasir... Nasir avoids all contact until Kyrie steps on him. So, yeah, I, I think it's it's a bang-bang play. Right. Um, and players can get injured on those bang-bang plays. But to even insinuate that Nasir Little had uh, dirty intentions when he did that is absolutely crazy. Because to me, I'm watching it. I see an absolutely clean play where Kyrie just had basically a split second to react and reacted in a way that put his ankle right in that uh, compromised spot. I, just, I don't know if he could have reacted another way, but I do not see a dirty play. So anyway, sorry. I just... No, no, you're good. No, I, 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 I agree. And yeah, so we've had Papa Chris, uh, Sarcastic Chris, and and I guess Analytics Chris. You know, this is the breakdown. This is what will happen when we have our, our YouTube channel and a visual element in here. We'll have this play being shown on the bottom half of the screen and maybe we'll get some some pauses some slow-mos so can draw some arrows in you know like uh go full uh sports center on it hey we're talking about the talking about the play that's being shown i believe will allow it to fall under fair use so yeah <laughs> yeah it works <laughs> all right we're running a little long so we'll get into more of these terms next week but one, uh, we should maybe spend more time on like trailcasters talking terminology uh, <laughs> and defining some of these things. Like we talked earlier about skill versus ability, uh, even you know defining point guard versus shooting guard if we really want to help maybe some of the more uh, general fans out there. But big term that matters right now is defining tank because some fans have an obvious reaction to when you hear people say, "Oh, let's 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 tank, let's have the team tank, or hope the team tanks." Uh, there's a there's a, a visceral reaction from a lot of people to to push back against that. Maybe not realizing that maybe some of us define tanking differently. Uh, obviously, we've all heard the things where players don't tank, it's front offices that do. And you know, again, we can talk about examples like right now with the Blazers, Dame, CJ, uh, uh, not coming back when possibly they could be. Which again, it's the smart decision, but. That is as far as tanking needs to go. You can still cheer for wins uh, in in on a tanking team, you know, as a fan. You can still cheer for, even in a loss, like, okay, well, hey, maybe we're getting this draft pick worked out. But uh, I don't know how-, how That you... would be a very blaze, it would be a very blazer thing for the front office to be like, all right, guys, here's the deal. Dame's not gonna come back. Uh, we're, gonna, we're gonna focus on his health. CJ uh, is- gonna have a baby and we're just gonna let him be dad so we're gonna shut him down for the year and uh nurk we don't want you to get hurt so we're gonna shut you down too uh you guys have fun because we're gonna play for a pick and then ant and nas like go nuts and lead the team to the playoffs <laughs> like that would be the that would be the most blazer blazer thing imaginable well look so. i mean let's just go down this rabbit hole for a second because the play-in is a thing now like it's not even about <clears throat> needing to make the top eight if we are in contention for the top 10 without Dame CJ uh, of the top, if you've just seen the young guys, seen Ant, Nas, Norm, Nurk, uh, Nance, when he gets back here healthy, uh, I just love going through all those ends. And I, alliteration is fun. But if you can, if you see these guys, I don't think it's that unreasonable to think that uh, that they could take us to, to a 10th seed. I, I think we're 10th right now. We're 10th in the West right now. So could they maintain this position through the rest of the season. I mean, playing like they did the last two games, yeah. Um, yeah. So, I think it's an interesting situation, Keith, because as you alluded to, like, what does it mean to tank? Like, the trust the process tank was let's go out there and put the worst product on the floor possible and just try to lose as many games as we can. <laughs> um, as where Portland, A, you talk about Dame's leadership, Dame is a guy that you're never going to convince to go out there and lose games. Like his goal is to win and get in the playoffs no matter what. And that's going to trickle down to the Nazes and ants of the world. So if you sit there and you're okay, we're going to put our best product on the floor, then you roll out Ant and you roll out Nasir, 
you're going to win games just like you did against the Nets. The only way to truly tank with some of the guys' mentalities on this roster is you need to start uh, Greg Brown, CJ Ellaby, and Trenton Watford, <laughs> and Kelgen Blevins, right? And then start Ben McLemore, too, so you can get some buckets. But uh, you need to start those guys because those guys are going to go out there. They're going to hustle. They're going to give their all every single night. But CJ Ellaby and Greg Brown aren't going to beat the Nets. But... Anthony and Nurk and Nasir might, and they did. So I think you're in a weird spot. I think you're in a spot where, and this is what we talked about last week, Keith, and I do not necessarily think it's the bad spot to be. I think you're in a spot where you say, okay, we understand the situation we're in. We're not doing as good as we wanted to, but we still see light at the end of the tunnel to maybe rectify this. And like I said, be a 10th, 9th seed, get into the play-in. Then you look at the draft and you go, okay, who's available? Is it worth completely trying to tank? I don't know. Like I said, I'd have to analyze, but the draft by all accounts is not an incredibly deep draft. And you start looking at the situation. You go, you know what? We got talented players on this roster. We're going to take Dame. We're going to take our time. Let him heal up. We're going to tell CJ, take your time. When you're ready to come back, come back. Until then... We're going to give the keys to the young guys and just let them go. Go do your thing. Go win as many games as you can until the rest of the guys get back. And if you go 0-10, you go 0-10, but the guys balled out and had fun doing it. And if you go 5-5, great. If you go 10-0 on a run, you have, sweet. It's even better. But I think Portland is in this weird spot because like, you don't know. Do you want to go aim at the playoffs? Do you want to aim at that low draft pick? Because it's like you're in almost like this weird like purgatory spot, right? Like, that, okay. What do you do? And so the best option to me, and I, we said it last week, is do what you did the last two games. Just let Ant and Nasir do their thing and have fun watching it. So you've kind of answered it already, but I'm going to throw this in here because you segued almost <laughs> perfectly with the word purgatory there. Um, as always, I want to throw out uh, – all of you listeners, you can join us on Discord. Over on Discord, you can ask questions at any time that we'll get here on the pod. You can. Uh, uh, the hell are you saying about our Discord when you're like, "This is what I thought of when you said purgatory." Well, you, oh, okay. <laughs> That's not the reference. Uh, I'm just trying to throw the trying to throw the promotion in here. <laughs> Come oh, join okay. us on Discord. The link is in the episode description. Like JP Mack, one of our listeners from Discord, dropped this question, Chris. So, are we in some kind of purgatory now, where we're going to develop second-tier talent, good for trade value, and win here and there without bottoming out for a generational draft talent? I think he's kind of saying what you're saying, where it's fun to see them play, and, and that's, that's what we're the, the page we're on at this point. But the issue you get into is if we even make that play in, if we play well enough that we don't get the draft pick, are we putting ourselves in this kind of weird purgatory uh middle ground where we can't put a team around dane like i said you you kind of already answered this if i can add anything to it what i would say on one hand as a fan i always want to see wins i the front office can do their job to tank and it makes losing hurt a little less but i'm always going to root for wins so i would be happy seeing us even making you know it, it would be fun to see them make even the play in even even if it means costing the draft pick because a draft pick isn't necessarily guaranteed to help in the time frame we need with Dane. It's not like if we're we're not going to get the first pick. If we're going to get something that's in like the what what's the protection? I think protection is top fourteen. Lot lottery. Oh, it's lottery. Okay, lottery. so if we're outside the lottery, we don't get the pick. If we get the lottery pick, yeah, it could be a good player. It also be, might not be a player that's going to be ready for next year or two. And is in his third year here, and we're seeing this development from him now. So. This idea of tanking for generational talent, to me, doesn't mean much because you're trying to get like if you if you're tanking for generational talent, Keith, then trade Damian Lillard. I was going to say, because if you're taking something you already have where it's. Yeah. Yeah, because because there's nothing in the draft unless you get I mean, there's freaks like a LeBron James who comes in and. Right is is a, a, a absolutely phenomenal right um brandon roy's right goes out and wins rookie of the year um but there's nothing that you can go draft right now that's generational that is going to drastically help you in my opinion 
in Damian Lillard's window, which is shortly yeah. closing. Yeah, exactly. So do you want to you want to you want to tank now to get a pick so that you don't get something that helps Dame win a championship? You go three years of this guy maybe seeing the rotation or not. Um, because you have to develop him because everyone in the draft is like 19, 20 years old, right? right? Right. And then and then you decide to go, you know, trade Dame or whatever, but the window's closed and now now what? Now you're to me you're back at square one. And if you have and if your goal is to try to develop your next guy, then don't that then do everything you can to retain yeah. Anthony Simons and Nasir Little, right? Because yeah, exactly. those are your next guys. You you have good ones. Because look at look at Nasir, right? Nasir was a was a lottery level talent who just slipped into Portland's lap. Yeah. Okay. It's and a it's great taken, example. Yeah. And it has taken him how many years to develop? He's in his Anthony third Simons now, yeah. was a Anthony Simons was a first round pick just outside the lottery. Look at him developing. Uh, Portland drafted Zach Collins in the lottery and he is still like once he hits hits the floor but he's still developing they found a spot for him in the rotation but he, it's not like he was a giant contributor he wasn't right. going out and getting 20 and 10 every night yeah they so drafted like, Myers Leonard in the lottery lottery he's not even playing in the league right now but when he was <laughs> it with Portland but when he was with Portland he was never really developing and he was getting a lot of DMPs Portland had Harry Giles on the roster last year he was drafted in the lottery along with Justin Jackson that was the trade for Zach Collins so you're not even guaranteed to go out and get a talent in the lottery that's going to be an nba level player in four years right so why take that risk yeah. when you can do everything you can to build in dame's window the answer is not to uh to start over on another anthony simons project if you're developing like you said if, if the idea is to develop young players you keep and and nas you build around them and you get assets if the idea is to build around dame and to see what we can do with dame's window you don't need the draft pick so again it the, the the team, the front office can tank. They can shut down the stars. That benefits the team for next year. It benefits keeping our guys healthy, uh, maybe keeping trade value going for, for some of these younger guys when you see them play. The point here is limiting the play as much as possible for the stars like Dame that we're going to keep uh, or that we're going to either build around or, or, or trade for value. To me, if you're like the draft is the way to go then you have, you have said that there's zero chance of getting Ben Simmons. There's no chance of getting Jeremy Grant. There's no chance of using the assets you have now to go get guys that can help the roster you have. I just I don't think tanking is the way. Now, if you play to win and you end up being down there, that's the hand you're dealt. But losing on purpose to try to go get a draft pick because the draft is the end-all, be-all savior, not a fan. Yeah. Well, and again, I think so much of it comes down to how people are defining the term. Like, can you... Can, can the front office be tanking? Can you rest the stars and consider, consider that tanking without actually aiming for losses? Like, no one has to be cheering for losses. I, I, it's, I think what I said earlier, you can still cheer for wins as a fan. It just softens the losses because you're like, okay, well, you know, we weren't expecting to be that good anyway. Or we're missing our top three guards. If we had lost to Brooklyn last night, it wouldn't have stung that bad. It's kind of expected, especially with how bad some of the basketball has been recently and how bad the team has yeah. looked. But with the last two games, it shows that there is talent here. And... I'm here to root for it, man. It's fun seeing that team ball. Yeah. Okay, so we just mentioned- just real quick though, like I said, check the CBA. I because I, I just don't know what the draft right rules are if they can trade that pick again since it's technically theirs. Because mm. then, may if they can, then maybe losing some games and tanking makes sense. Because if I have a top five pick that I can trade can to trade bring in value. talent, yeah, okay. That's much different to me because then yeah. I am bringing in someone that's going to instantly help and fix the window. So that's, that's the point. only caveat yeah. here. If that's allowable, and again, I'm not going to say it is or not because I, I don't know how the CBA works on a protected pick there. I'd have to look it up, but yeah, I'll we're, figure we're it out not, for you for next episode. We're not draft experts. We'll, we'll look that up more. We will discuss that. Uh, we've also got a couple other topics that we kind of, uh, you know, they're just not making the cut for, for, this, for the hour of rambling that you and I go through, Chris. Uh, I wanted to get to... <laughs> the hour of rambling that I go through. <laughs> We, we can get on this maybe more or some of these more on the next episode. But if anyone has any thoughts, hey. you can also write in the Trailcasters on Twitter, on Reddit, or join our Discord. Again, the link is in the episode description here. Come to our spaces. The next Hoop Spaces on Twitter is next Monday the 17th at 3 p.m. Early afternoon game because they're facing Orlando down there in Florida at 4 p.m. So it's a 
a bit of a time shift, but yes, 3 p.m. Twitter Spaces next Monday, discussing discussing things like whatever's Sad on days. your fans' mind, whatever you guys want to talk about, get your voices heard. But some of the topics we can go for that we are overdue for here: Nurk versus Harrow, the the, the shoving in the back and the the face slap punch the other night were the right penalties imposed. I'm a little shocked there was no suspension on either side. We could discuss. Uh, was Nurk's response defensible? Is it more about the instigator or the response itself? Uh, the, the the shove in the back when someone's defenseless or the, the punch that was the open-handed punch that was not a punch? Tyler Hero going and pushing him back is crazy because Nurk set an absolutely 100% legal yeah, kick. it was a good pick. It was a fun if, any, if anything, get up and go push one of your teammates in the back and yeah. yell at them for not <laughs> calling the pick out, right? He he, and, he gets pissed about that. He yeah. tried to trip him from the ground. Then he gets pissed and shoves him in the back. Uh, and then Nurk's being held back, tries to shove him back and hits him in the face. And the whole thing gets elevated. Uh, and also, a very important aspect to this. Is it Hero or Hero? I get that he wants to say... I've t- always, What's that? I've always thought it was Hero. I've always thought it was Hero. I mean, I'm... I'm look, this is kind of like the, the McLemore. <laughs> is thing. it McLemore or McLemore? <laughs> it's it's McLemore. It's not McLemore. Uh, it's McLemore. It's just said too fast and people kind of lump it together. But if if this dude's calling himself Hero or if we're calling him Hero because it's an NBA sports person and you want to go, Hero, I'm not in for that. If you can go back and show me like a previous generation, like if his grandpa or grandma or, or a non-sports previous generation member of his family called themselves Harrow, then his name is Tyler Harrow. I, I don't know for sure. We should ask our buddy who's over on Spaces with us, uh, Bam, DPOY. Uh, he was a Miami fan. He's been joining us. So maybe we'll hear back from him on this. But I think it's Harrow, and I'm sticking to that, just like Moore. But <laughs> Hey, I, I, have a, I have a six-year-old that we're trying to get through school and all this, and let me tell you what. When you have to try to teach a person the English language, you realize how dumb the English language is. <laughs> That's fair, too. <laughs> Not everything follows the rules. That's totally fine. My name, K-E-I-T-H, I-B-4-E. Screw that. Other questions. Where the hell is Greg Brown been? Hey, I get I, I get it, but I mean, they've been given a lot of time there to trend in Watford, and, and Watford hasn't looked bad. Watford like, they got good, another man. guy there. That, I, yeah, just like they got another guy there they're trying to develop, and he's in that era. Getting some of Greg Brown's minutes there. I mean, you only have so many so many minutes to go around. I mean, I've been on the Greg Brown train myself, but if if Watford's going to play as well as he does in his five six minutes when he gets them, um, I'm not upset. What I'm a little more upset about though is is you need some depth that you're big, and you had some some opportunities. I would have loved Portland to try to put together something to get Bull Bull from Denver. He was underutilized in Denver. I think he has a chance to be uh, used a little better in Detroit and they gave up pretty much nothing to get him so you you would think that Portland could have done the same and I'm also really upset that when you need depth at those positions that you didn't at least try to go with I mean you already did your your four G League players who I've already forgot all their names that's how impactful (laughs) they were but uh you already ran through your G League players I don't understand why you couldn't give DeMarcus Cousins a 10 day instead you let uh yeah you let denver go do it and i'm still absolutely baffled that milwaukee waived him because demarcus cousins is a solid rotational center at this point and i mean how quickly we forget that it was a handful of years ago he was the best center in the league if he didn't blow his what is was his achilles or his acl that he tore i want to say acl ACL. i want to say i can't remember but but had he not you know been injured there yet he would have continued that career trajectory so I mean, come on, uh, uh, Boogie Cousins versus Myers Leonard was must much watch theater because Myers thought he could stop him, but obviously couldn't, so he just decided <laughs> to poke the bear, and then DeMarcus Cousins would just go off for 50-plus points every time that Myers Leonard was on the floor. So, uh, <laughs> it was, <laughs> I, hey, I, I love Boogie. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a big Boogie fan, so I, yeah. I would have loved to see him there, but... We, we needed That's to why see. Greg Brown's not playing. We we should have seen a boogie. We should have seen a Greg Oden, and we should have seen a Greg Brown. We didn't see any of these bigs. I'm not sure what the answer is, uh, but you know, we'll get into that more next week or on the next spaces next Monday, the 17th at 3 p.m. Come and join us to pregame against Orlando. Come and join us on Discord as well. It's in the episode descriptions. Uh, come and write us on Twitter or on Reddit. I'm not gonna be there. You're not joining me for a space next week. No, nope, I'm gonna be drunk. I'm gonna be crying because it's at Orlando and back when I had a cool job where I traveled with the team 
That was my very last road game I ever did at Orlando. Me and, and Jamie Hudson and the Blazer broadcast crew went to Universal Studios on the off day, played against the Orlando Magic the next night. Then I came home, uh, had a home game. Then there was a game at Phoenix that my boss went to instead of me to give me a day off. Then they came back and played Phoenix, and then the league shut down the next day. Oh, so oh, right before COVID hit. Then we did the bubble, did an entire year remote, and then NBC Sports Northwest shut down. So my very last road game I ever did, and hopefully it doesn't remain my last, but was Portland at Orlando. Boy, okay, well, I'm going to try and remember that. Every uh, All the road games in Orlando are, are little special occasions. Yeah, if you're going to get drunk for this, I'll come get drunk with you. Let's, let's make a celebration out of it. <laughs> let's do it. Let's do, let's it, do, do it. it together. A 3 p.m. space is just... <laughs> Uh, but yeah, cool, man. So yeah, those were the quick hits, as, as quick as that was. We'll see how the editing goes on that. But that's all we've got for this week. It's good to see some winning basketball again. Let's uh, let's hope the next one goes as well. Next game up is what uh, Thursday, Thursday uh, at the Nuggets, and then the road trip continues to Washington and then Orlando. That'll get us caught up next week. We'll see you then. In closing, your honorable listeners, that's it. That's our show. Thank you, Chris Burkhart. Thank you, Odar, for the fat beats. And thank you, listeners, for a great listening. We hope you enjoy your Blazers, your Rip City basketball, and our latest episode. Thank you again, and please come back next week for the next edition of the Trailcasters. (laughs) Neil!